good day. This is Carl Sagan. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Inspirado Projecto. In this upcoming episode, you will be hearing an interview with Ryan Thorpe, a historian and one who knows very much about the globe. Just as I know about the stars, he knows about the globe, known as Mother Earth. We hope you, dear listener, enjoy your time listening to this very special episode recorded during the Super Bowl of 2019. It creates like a, a thicker atmosphere is like creating water, basically. It's like a form of water. And so it creates um, the ability for creatures to be bigger, which is why dinosaurs and uh, insects and mammals were allowed to be bigger. But, um, so you're saying, he asked you if, if how big the spiders would one day could possibly could get. get again. Well, that would presuppose that the atmosphere fluctuates. So, if you think about that, then you really stop and think, well, there's been cataclysms on the Earth that have happened over time, boom, again and again and again, and creatures get really tiny after a cataclysm, and then eventually they get huge again. If you look at uh, the, before the dinosaurs, the insects and the things crawling out of the ocean were huge. Then there was a cataclysm, we I think they think it was a uh, meteor. And then all the animals were really small. And then the dinosaurs, towards the end of their lifespan, huge. And then an asteroid hit. Boom. Everything's really tiny again. Mm. And then all these mammals got huge. And then 12,000 years ago, asteroids hit North America. And parts of uh, the northern continent and created a huge cataclysm which wiped out all the mammals on North America. That's why all the mammals are gone. They're just, we had all these huge mammals. They're gone. People couldn't have eaten all that. I mean, we didn't overhunt them. That's ridiculous to even suppose that. So, in doing that, when an asteroid hit, it burns into the atmosphere. Mm. Burning up atmosphere. Mm. hitting and impacting things, wiping out things that create atmosphere, like trees and uh, stuff in the water, because the waters change because of the differing, uh, um, like, salinity and um, pureness of the water. Mm. So it'll change, like, oceans change and everything. So seaweed dies, plankton dies, trees die, atmosphere dies. So... We are the remnants, the survivors of a cataclysm, <coughs> and we've rebuilt, and if you look at it, it's only taken us so long to actually go super technologically advanced, considering we keep wiping ourselves out as people. Mm. So, then the atmosphere does cycle, because animals and creatures have gotten bigger and smaller, so the atmosphere on the Earth will eventually become thicker and things will get bigger again which would explain giants before the flood whoa isn't that crazy that is intriguing yeah, and it's something I would have never thought about except he asked me a question and then I'm like oh, damn so at the atmosphere and the earth is constantly changing it's constantly cycling because of cataclysms how do you think that affects the vib- just the vibrations in general of everything? Well, okay, here's the thing. That would, that's a good question. I'd actually have to think about it. Because everything vibrates in different frequencies, but during different cataclysms, I don't know what it... Th- there's ideas that different things occurred with the planets, too. So, like, different planets switched. Like, they found that Uranus is tilted on its side, or Uranus has mm-hmm. been tilted on its side, that uh, Saturn's rings are quite new, 
because of some other cataclysms that have occurred. And um, there's all these little clues to how the atmosphere is, or the uh, solar system has been. And then just <clears throat> the whole idea that we follow a star and the star runs in a circle. So if you think of a comet flying through space, that's kind of how our sun flies through space. It's like a comet with a big old tail. And we spin holistically. So it's not sitting still. Like this, which is it's why we can always see things, planets, because we're all going like this. So, so we're, we're kind of following in its wake. So to speak, in a toroidal shape, in the wake of a comet, and we're just spinning behind it. Basically, is kind of how, if you want to think of it that way. So, I think it really depends on where it's headed, what areas of space in the universe it's headed through, um, and then the density or the uh, sheerness of the molecules on the planet. I guess would change. You know, what just pops in my mind is, uh, and I, I don't, I can't say that I've ever actually been able to do this because I don't know if I know how to do it right now. But I always remember hearing about how, like, um, semi trucks. You could get behind it in a certain little thing, little pocket, and it pulls you along. Yep. And I'm wondering if, so let's say if we use that as sort of the analogy, like the semi-truck is the sun. So once you're in that little pocket, in a sense, you're sort of <laughs> safe within that from, you know, you've got like a boundary of a, yeah. So do you think that's kind of like what that is with the sun? Yep. So maybe that's, so maybe the sun is clearing a path for us, and maybe that's why other things are not crashing into us, maybe? Because oh. we're kind of just, it's just going whoosh, it's kind of. But things will go around it and fly in, or things will come in from this way, or oh, that makes there's sense. no direct path. That's and right. We pass through a meteor field every so often. I think it's every uh, um, 2,000 years or no, every 20,000 years or something like that. We pass through a meteor field. And no, it's more than that. Anyways, they think part of passing through that meteor field is part of why, because our sun is following a, a, a huge ellipse in its solar system, and they think there might even be another sun that we're bound with, and so they're literally. So the sun doing is caught up. Overhead. Our sun is caught up in its kind of orbit. In in, in and then in we're our, just in that, and then there's another one that's looped with that, and then that uh, our universe is in orbit with other ones, and so it's just this huge, massive, swirling mass. So, I don't know, it's a really good question, because I, I've been contemplating uh, the vibrational frequency of water, because the guy who created the car that they killed him over... Oh, yeah, 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 was that the... Uh, <laughs> what, what was that documentary? The, who, killed, who killed the, the electric who, car who, or something, or the something electric, who killed it? But I guess in that documentary, they show some guy who's able... He, he, Rick he pulls his car up to a pond or something, and he fills it with water. Just a little bit of water, Rick Straussman. And he could put any kind of water in his car, and he said he pulsed it. And so he used electrolysis to create hydrogen, but then he pulsed a frequency into the water. Well, then they came up with the same thing in... Um, oh, shit. Um... I want to see UC Santa Barbara came up with the same thing where they're using uh, frequencies to place uh, seawater and they would light the water on fire because it was releasing hydrogen. So the pulsing with the electrolysis created a huge hydrogen release, which is what Mark Straussman did, and that's the whole secret. Wow. So I've been really looking into frequencies like frequency of water and everything like that. Because here's the thing everything vibrates in a specific frequency. That's yes, right. And so you, if you can, if you can connect the same vibrational frequency of one thing with another, you can disrupt the bond, the molecular bonds between it, which then causes it to separate. And that's how he did it with the water, and that's how they did it up in, uh, uh, I want to say it was Santa Barbara. I could be wrong, though. But... Yeah, so what's interesting how that stuff works because I recently saw something on YouTube where they they put some kind of uh, some kind of liquid um, so okay so they took this they showed this is for like third world countries and whatnot so they showed this 
they just took like a regular bottle of water. They put it in the in the local you know pond or whatever. They it brought it out. It looks all brown. It still looks terrible. Yeah. They put a few drops of this particular stuff, and what it did was it bonded together with every solid thing that was in that water, and it sunk it to the bottom, at the top of it. So you see this thing, it clears up within like three minutes, and all of a sudden you got drinking water. So all the water near the top, you can drink. The stuff near the bottom, well, that's all sediment. That's all whatever was brought to the bottom. So it was crazy, the fact that they were able to use the frequencies in that way to separate them out. Well, and that's the thing is, everything, okay, so then it makes you think about like 5G. 4G, 3G cell phones, uh, the vibrations that they create, the electromagnetic noise, because we talk about, oh, you can't be around electromagnets because they can cause cancer, but the earth vibrates in an electromagnetic field of between 4 and 100 hertz, I want to say is what it is. It varies. So going back to your original question, I think it would change the vibration of the planet now that I think of it because an impact would create uh, energy within the molecules of the Earth. So it probably created a... uh, It either slows it down by hitting it and the vibrations slow down the Earth or the vibrations kick it up and speed it up. Well, now what I'm wondering is... Which would explain less life according to... uh, Shorter lives according to... um, um, Like... Folk tales and... You know... Because they say in the olden days people would live hundreds of years. Yeah. And if you speed up the vibrational frequency, that might cause less of a life. Like shorten it. And then uh, it could explain why the atmosphere is harder on us. Like, why why do we burn in the sun? Well, maybe it's because our atmosphere is too thin for us. And Mm. we're used to a really thick atmosphere. Mm. And then um, that always brings me back to aliens, too, because then... If something like that happened, and if you stop and really think about it, we wiped ourselves out as a civilization, and then we only really reformed in about the 1400s, 1500s, and we only really embraced science, it was well after the 1600s, so we've only been scientifically advanced for maybe a little over 200 years. But it's only taken 200 years to become this scientifically advanced. But we're over, according to mainstream science, we're over 250,000 years old as a species. According to alternative science, we're closer to a million and a half years. Um, it only took 200 years. So how advanced were they before a cataclysm? Well, and then that's the crazy thing, too, because then you'll find out about how these people knew how to make their own batteries. Uh-huh. A lot of these people already had their own silverware. But you know, like stuff lost. that you're like, what? But they lost it as time went on, as time's advanced. And then you hear all these things like, they talk about the Sumerians with the Anunnaki. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. I listen yeah. to a lot of Oh, that, my so buddy is huge into the Anunnaki. But He's got a friend who's like... What if they aren't aliens? What if they're people who, oh shit, there's a cataclysm, they got up in their ships, they flew into the space, they survived as long as they could, they came back down, land, and there's a bunch of primitive people. And now they're gods because they can clean water and filter water. They have genetic uh, capabilities. They know how to manipulate Oh, kind of like idiocracy, where he had sort of like a, an average-minded dude, but he's in cryogenics, and then he comes out, and like everyone is just lowest common denominator, kind of like, Because they're all surviving. Right. It's survival. And, and it would be like us going into, if we send our military tricked out into, like, um any type of uh, like old uh, hunter-gatherer society like in the jungles and we send our military with all of its advancements in there and land them in they'd be gods you couldn't kill they couldn't kill them with any of the stuff they had and they would be able to control them they'd worship them and so they would be like animals to the advanced people that are there and I'm sure that would the ego that would ensue would go to their head and then imagine the children of them that are sitting there and the ego that they have I mean you just look at the examples of the people nowadays and the kids of wealthy people and their egos and you take that and then 
course we're gods to you. Worship us like gods. What if that's all it was? What if it's just advanced people who came back down and that's why shit got worse because there just wasn't enough of them and the, like, the dumb people idiocracy, the dumb people outbred the smart ones, or at least the ones that were kind of smart, they didn't have the schools they didn't have the resources to continue creating the factories or whatever it is they needed to build their equipment and so and then the people who knew how to fix it die off and so oh shit, how do we fix this and you know so sometimes I think of that and how it all kind of interrelates. What's interesting, too, to go back to what you're saying, like, at the sort of the birth of science, you know, what's so interesting is that anybody's really a scientist, you know, whether they got a telescope or microscope, because it, it follows that scientific method where you've got a hypothesis, you test it out, you see if it works or not. You know, um, some people just don't, you know, publish their scientific journals for the rest of the scientific community to read about it and whatnot. And what's so crazy is like when you look back through history and you look at the shaman, you look at these very spiritual people who knew all of these secrets, you know, all these monks and Hindu masters, you know, uh, yogis living up in the you know, uh, Himalayan mountains. And you look at what these guys already knew and understood about the universe way back then. Now we're looking at what quantum mechanics has been talking about, and it's matching up, it's Venn diagramming with all of that stuff. It's just that now it took us this long to actually have instruments to actually measure and confirm what those guys already knew so long ago, which is just blows my mind. Well, and that's the thing. And then all of them say that they don't, they're not the owners of the information, that it comes from well before them. They're just passing on information that came well before them. Yeah, they they're just there. messengers. And, um,. No, it, it, it is crazy because there's a huge correlation to how things are linking up with the past. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, just, it's really interesting. It's really interesting to see that link because those people were original. They were the originals. They're OG scientists. Yeah. Uh, there's a Shen Nong, I believe is his name. He's, the, he's an emperor in China. And he is the emperor of, um, he's an emperor known for bringing medicine to the Chinese people. Mm. Um, so he's kind of like a god emperor for the Chinese people. And um, I learned this while taking a Chinese medicine. And the interesting thing about that is it talks about how he tried and tested all these plants and that's how he created medicine. Obviously, he probably didn't test them. He had other people testing them. And when one would die, he'd be like, oh, that, that kills people, so yeah, we're not going to yeah, do that. Yeah. Whoops, that's not the right one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but that's the scientific method. You yeah. observe and you record. And as you observe and record, if it's then if you can do it again and observe it and record it and it's continued as if it continues in a in a very um, what's the right word uh, a, a specific pattern mm -hmm. then you know that okay this is probably a fact you know um, salicylic aspirin or from aspirin the salicylic acid relieves headaches. Um, they were able to take the white willow bark um, and find the thing that helps relieve the headaches and strip it out of the white willow bark and go, okay, this is it. That was a fact. But the white willow bark isn't uh, negated for what it needs to do because the different chemicals within the white willow bark actually help protect the stomach from the harshness of the salicylic acid. And so those people kind of knew more than we did because they stuck with that method instead of pulling out that one chemical. And they were smart enough to maintain it within that, that cocktail. Wow. And we think we're so much smarter because we can pull out the one chemical, but that one chemical isn't always the best thing to pull out. It's, it's an, I don't know. So yeah, science. What's crazy when we look at like the ways that you know these guys would go, either take their do during the ayahuasca ceremonies, or doing you know DMT or who knows what, you know you got these people who are 
communing with the White Lodge and all the masters that are in these other dimensions or whatnot, getting this information, coming here and going, okay, here's what you need to do in order to plant the crops. Here's what you need. Here's when the best time is to 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 pull out the food. And, you know all that stuff, and it's like they learned all this information from from like just otherworldly creatures, and I mean it's just amazing. There's there's a really interesting. Um, quote from a guru, Sajaguru. He has a huge page on uh, YouTube. Really fun to listen to. Um, you don't have to agree with everything he says to notice that he has a lot of truth within what he mm. says. And one of the things he talks about is how in the East, they're trained to see themselves as a part of the universe. No, we're just a small part of the universe. Whereas in the West, because we're so material-minded, we see ourselves... When you base everything materially instead of being a whole within a universe, and this includes Buddhism and all the other religions, because Buddhism is an extension of Hinduism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Buddha was just like Jesus wasn't a Jesus never said he wasn't a Jew. Buddha never said he wasn't a Hindu. He just discovered Buddhism, and people created Buddhism like people created Christianity, and people created all the other stuff. So. It's really interesting when you stop and think about that because the materialist view, although it does coincide with the scientific method, the universal view coincided very well too because they all kind of are offshoots of each other. Then when we really, really stop and look at it, I don't think anybody ever looks at a map, ever, because we're talking about people who all come from the same area. I mean, they're from the same goddamn regions, all these people. Wow. <laughs> and so, I mean, from India to northern Africa, you just in up in that part of uh, Europe, that's uh, southern Europe area, it's all the same area, actually. There's, it's just that sea right in the middle. That's all it is. Interesting. So there's something going on with those vibrations and frequencies in that area. They're they must sharing be doing everything. Something. They're sharing. They're traveling. I mean, Egyptian mummies with cocaine in them. People are traveling distances. They found Phoenician boats. The Phoenicians were the OG before the Egyptians. They don't talk about that. But they're the Mesopotamians. They find Phoenician boats with, uh, with copper that's mined out of uh, the copper mines in Michigan in uh, sunk in the Mediterranean. So they find this shit, they just don't talk about this shit. And um, so it isn't that the idea of science has to change either material or universal. There is no, it's one or the other. There's maybe it's, oh, you use the material to discover, but you use the universal to connect, you know? Mm -hmm. Because we... You can't disconnect either, because that's what creates friction, and that's what creates the bipolar or the bipartisan bipartisanism and the bipolar mentality of humanity. Because we have this idea that we have to be disconnected from everything, mm. and yet be in control of everything. And as a human, you don't control shit except for how you react. <laughs> that's the last thing you. It's the only thing you have left to control is. Your own mind, how you react. Uh, well, then there's that idea. There are those ideas that you know that we are, you know, as, if we were to play along with that idea that um, each of our realities is relative to each human, you know, because you you go off and no, you're the only person who has to hang out with whatever's going on inside the with brain and all yeah. that. So in a sense, whatever your whatever your perspectives are and whatever your reality is is just as valid as anyone else's. Like, nobody knows what... So you're... When you're off, in a sense, you don't exist to anyone who's not near you at that moment. And and neither do your experiences to us, but they do... Still are valid to you, which, which is so crazy, because then that plays into the idea that each person is sort of manifesting their own reality experience and how... And that is depending on what they're choosing to define and how they feel about those definitions yeah. about those particular things. You know, so someone could look at a synchronicity or a coincidence and go, oh, what a quinky dink. Oh, it's a small world, and they just kind of brush it off. Yeah. Another person might go, whoa, this is something to pay attention to here. This is something to pay attention to. And then it becomes something really significant 
And I notice, like, when I do play with the synchronicities, and I do appreciate them, and I do go, oh, my God, and I celebrate them. You know, just like a little dog that runs up to you, and you're playing with it with the ball, and you throw the ball, and it runs up, go gets it, and brings it up. When I treat the universe kind of like that way, it's like the universe is like, oh, you like this? Oh, here, let me go get something. You're, you're going to really love this now. You know, like, oh, you like that? Okay, hold on, let me go get another one. And so I kind of treat the relationship like that. Like, it's like, okay, cool. So what else can you, wait, here, I'm going to throw you a curveball this time. You show me how you're going to knock it out of the ballpark. <laughs> And it's crazy because it just keeps proving it, you know, keeps proving itself to you. Do you um, do you, um, study, you know, materials and stuff like that about the, the manifestation of your own reality and stuff like that? Or what are your thoughts oh, about yeah. that stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny because I grew up with a very Buddhist view of things. And because uh, I was a child of the 70s, so martial arts was huge. My dad was really into it. We went to martial arts. Uh, we went to a lot of different churches as a kid, so I got to experience a lot of mindsets. Um, but my view has always maintained a very Buddhist view, so I never saw God as a separate being. I just saw God and all of us as one whole. That's just kind of how I've always viewed things. Oh, we're all just interconnected. But as I, uh, as my ego progressed as a kid... I think that really took over for a while. Like everybody's does, it has to. And uh, I started to think of myself as an individual. And what I realized is, like you said, I'm only an individual for my own experiences. And it's just from what I'm seeing, what I'm processing inside, my internal. And uh, But on the external, um, it's very weird because, like you said, what my reality is might be different than a schizophrenic guy who's seeing a dragon right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just as real for him as my reality is for me. So then it becomes almost criminal for me to say, no, there isn't a dragon unless right. it's an immediate threat to me or my family around me. Yeah, right, right. And so then it really makes a weird idea because in his eyes... Maybe the dragon is the immediate threat, and eliminating us would eliminate the dragon. Dude. Whereas in my eyes, how does he know? Maybe he doesn't see my family around me and my friends, and he sees them as something different. And so my reality is so warped to him. So it is. It's it's all from points of view, which then makes it zero black and white. Right. And so... And then what's crazy is when you can get in sync with people, especially like, let's say, for instance, if you eat mushrooms or, you know, like the, those guys oh, who do yeah. ayahuasca, now you're all seeing the same reality because you're, it's interesting how you can agree on seeing that thing that you're seeing and you're, you're going, okay, you know what? We have now entered, just like when you play, I don't know if you ever played Dungeons and Dragons growing yeah. up, but it's cool when you, when you're playing those role-playing games and all you got is just the dice and everything in front of you, yet everybody can react to that experience you're like oh yeah. god there's the dragon oh no you know oh there's the secret door and oh geez here comes a wood elf you know and and it, it can all become very very real it's interesting how that can happen with the psychedelics you know you're it's a sink of your imagination your your imaginations are it's like yeah. as a kid when you would play as as kids together and then you'd all sync yeah. up and oh we're we used to play cowboys and Indians all the time. Oh, and we, there would be cowboys and Indians all around us, and we'd run around and shoot our bows and, you oh, know, yeah. thinking we were killing cowboys, and my buddy was killing Indians, you know? Right, right. That's how we played as a kid, but we all had that same imaginary scenario playing out in our heads. Yeah, that agreement, like, okay, yeah. we're all going to agree to this imagination right now. Well, it's funny, because that's all civilizations. So it's true. all of us just agreeing. People to had whatever. to agree to make this thing, to figure yeah. out the technology that goes into creating this thing. Oh, we had to agree to play game. these games. Yeah. yeah, just kids playing games, <laughs> and then it gets to be so serious, doesn't it? Because people start killing people over because you bet the wrong thing, and oh, you're supposed to stumble when you caught that pass, and you know, and it's, it's a like, game. Yeah, it's just a fun little. It's just a game. It's it like was, it's like going uh, going to a park and going. Well, how did he die? Well. They were playing checkers, and he kinged them, and he didn't like it, so he stabbed them. Right, right. <laughs> right. You're like, what, yeah. really, over checkers? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's all just, it, well, we had the, uh, my dad got really sick. 
And uh, he went in the hospital, and somebody asked me. It's kind of funny. It goes back to the whole reality thing. Uh, they asked me, because he's really, really sick. He's doing okay right now. Um, knock on wood. But he's very physically strong, even though he's really, really sick. He just he has a will for physical strength that's really unparalleled. And um, so... He was on the border for a, a, a while, and it's, he's been sick for the last few years, and so he's been close to death a lot. And she goes, she goes, well, how do you feel about your dad dying? And I told her, I said, the funny thing is, is I have my own family. I created my own family, and in doing that, I haven't been a part of my dad's family for over 20 years. So when I love, I love my dad, and I when I miss my dad the love and the missing that I have is all past it's all history it's things that have already occurred and they're gone so if I mourn that I'm mourning a past that hasn't existed for over 20 years whereas you just accept it you live in your moment, you enjoy the people around you, and you continue to move forward, hoping that the plans you made will come true, but knowing that life sways you in so many different ways that even though you set those targets, you might not even hit that. You might hit something over there, but it'll be an experience. And that's what I think the universality of all of us is, is we're all God, we're all one soul, we're all one existence. That's my Buddhism coming out again. But the point of us is you have to, to have God. You have to have all of that knowledge. And when you live outside of matter, which is what I think are ultimately our... It's anatma, our non-soul. Our, our, our connection with God lives outside of matter. And so there's no time and space for that. Ah. And so it experiences all of our lives in an instant, which is why God can be omnipotent. Mm. Because we are God, and which is why we can be omnipotent, which is why odd synchronicities occur where people tell the, for, the future, or, or you get a, a, a whiff of uh, an event that's going to happen, and you're like, eh, I'm not going to do that. And then you find out there's a, something bad happened over there, or eh, I'm not going to do that. And then you find out something great happened over there, and you're like, oh, fuck my life, only to have something better occur later because that thing would have distracted you from the other. Or however it works and so it, it, it all it all comes back to that how to why are we here where do we come from where are we going well and then there's that idea that um so since each and every single reality is just as valid as every single other reality so my world there will be Venn diagrams with the world that you're experiencing right there are going to be those Venn diagrams those things that match up harmonically and those things um uh, and we might make certain agreements about certain things, but really, ultimately, what's so crazy, what's so beautiful, what's so special about all of it is that, so your own reality is your own reality. Whatever you're choosing to define whatever, if you want to just suddenly start uh, treating this as a robot, I, it is, it is. You're, you're yep. defining it as a robot. Look, it's making noises. It looks, you know, it's a robot, you know. Yeah. Um, if someone else just goes, oh, that's just a bunch of metal. Okay, well, it's that too. So there's that idea that, Every person in our, everything in our particular reality paradigm yes. is just another reflection of us. So now, if we are to look at it from that perspective, that, okay, you're just a different reflection of me. Every single one of these people here is a different reflection of me. What am I here to learn from each of these reflections of me? And what are they teaching me about myself? Oh, yeah. Right? And then you're going, okay, well, if this particular person says something that's offensive, then you go, okay, why is that offensive? <laughs> Why am I holding a strong connection to that offense? And can I release that demon? You know, yep. is that something I feel so strongly about? How much value am I placing in holding on to that thing that I got, you know, that I'm offended by or whatever? So it's interesting. It enables you to go, do I want to redefine this or not? Or is this a really important grudge for me to keep holding on to? Well, that's growing up with, in an abusive situation and being poor growing up and having situations occur. 
um, you can hold on to that as pain. Uh, same thing as people who had been bullied or people who um, experienced things in a negative light. But then here's the thing. Those occur to you, but why do they occur? And why do you, what do you need to learn from that? I look at people who have truly bad situations who are great. Like uh, Oprah. Oprah is grew up with the epitome of the worst situation that you can have in this country. She was abused. She was the wrong color, the wrong gender, the wrong size, the wrong everything. And she is fabulous. She created greatness from everybody considering her to be the wrong everything. Because like you said, she didn't see her reality mm. as what everybody else chose to see her reality. Ooh. She saw her reality as completely different. Ah. And that power is what gave her the strength to move on. And that's where when you do see somebody and people piss you off and you get really angry at them. And I used to get so mad when I was younger. And as I got older, I realized... Why are they making me mad? Oh, what is it about me that makes me mad <laughs> yeah, enough yeah. to want to punch that person? Yeah, yeah. Because he's yeah, obviously yeah. reflecting some shitty I behavior I say, have right, and I'm right, focusing right. on it. <laughs> and then you're like, So it's like at that oh. moment you're looking at what's in the mirror in a sense and going, I don't like what I see in there right now. And you're, you know, it's like you're holding them responsible for it, but it's really our own responsibility to decide whether we want to turn the frown upside down or not, really kind of thing. Because right? we create how we react to all situations we're presented with. We are ultimately responsible for who, how our, our reactions are to the universe. Those, that's, that's our full responsibility. That, that's all we really get. That's our true freedom, is our response to the universe. Um, whether there's so many theories uh, economically and politically and religiously about all these different constraints people place on other people, but those are all just their realities. And they're playing yeah. out their realities on the world like the rest of us. And the ones that bug us, if it bugs us that much, then go fix it. If you don't like the way something is politically, you don't fight and try to destroy the person because you become the person. You fix it by creating the beauty that you want to see. It is funny because like the stuff that we complain about, we end up actually becoming. So like if I'm always complaining about like bananas, okay, so whatever reason, let's say I got a big rant against bananas. Let's say, I don't know, whatever, maybe we grew up on a farm where there, where there was just all these rotten bananas all the time and it would make my grandpa sick and whatever. I don't know. I, so I got a big grudge against bananas. You know, so like wherever I go, I'm like, ah, fuck the bananas. You know, and it's just, it, but now people are like, dude, will you shut up about the bananas already? Like now I have become the thing that I'm complaining about, and yes. people are like, dude, you're becoming the rotten banana. Like, dude, just drop it. <laughs> drop it, dude. Stop being the rotten banana. Get rid of it, you know? Well, that's completely it. It's completely it. Well, and, and it's funny because I, when, when we were younger, I don't know if it was this way for you, you, you had a certain political viewpoints. You would just vent on people, and people would be like, ah, whatever, kid. Whatever, kid. You just don't get it, kid. <laughs> And uh, I used to get so pissed because I'm like, why aren't they alive with this issue like me? Yeah. And then um, as I got older, now I'm like, whatever, kid. Because, because what I realized is, is the issue was important to me because there was some pers way I was personalizing it. Dude. And because I was yeah. personalizing it, it became important. Yeah. But yeah. the more I fought against what I was personalizing, the more I became it. And so when I backed off and was like, you know, people are people. The Baz Luhrmann song, Sunscreen, where, you know, when we were younger, we, however, bad paraphrasing, we would, you know, thought that politicians were noble and prices were cheaper and people didn't philander. You know, and it's not true. It's always all the same stuff is going on. It's all cyclical. It, nothing's linear in life. Everything is very cyclical. Uh, the planets, the cycles of the universe, the seasons, um, the weeks. Even our life, we think we think our life is a linear event. 
But as we grow and get older, if we've created more life, then that's a cycle because we pass on our not only our genetics but our thoughts and then our thoughts manifest somewhat in our children which then manifests in our grandchildren and that cycle continues to blossom and if it's good it's good if it's bad thoughts then we create a cycle well, of destruction. And it's crazy because that, that falls right in line with that age-old cliche you are what you eat yep so if you're constantly Constantly eating that information, you're bringing it around with you wherever you're going. You're going to the grocery store, you're bitching to the cashier about it. You're sitting on the bus, you're bitching at the person who's sitting next to you. You're going out for jogs, taking the dog out for walks, and then you become you are what you eat, you know? So it's like, okay, so if that's the case, and then to go along with what you're saying, that passes on to the kids and those, you know, go on, go on. Now, then, okay, then you're going, okay, well, how much value am I holding in these particular viewpoints and are these enriching the best version of myself and from each moment to each moment? Because how many people are on their deathbeds going, thank God I lived my whole life being such a staunch, whatever, Republican, Democrat, whatever. Thank God I lived my whole life just battling this other thing, you know, fuck the Patriots, fuck those guys. I'm glad I died not liking them at all. You know, or whatever the thing is, it's like, it's like, how many people really appreciate that? And then how many are sitting there going, whoa, why did I allow myself to be controlled by this matrix that everybody else told me what to do? And why didn't I pursue my life as a painter? Why didn't I pursue my life as a whatever, whatever mountain climber, whatever it is? And then I somehow told myself these lies that, oh, that, that could never work for me because that's oversaturated with this or oversaturated with that. And, oh, I can never do this. because You know, so it's like... How many people are actually living in their deathbed so happy that they lived a very, a very, you know, straight-lined, very careful, very normal, very beige, generic existence? Oh, I didn't once cross the line. Yay. I died without once crossing the line. Hey, everybody. Gather around. Want to hear the Inspirato hotline number? Yeah. All right. Goes a little bit like this. Five, six, one, two. Zero Say, I got an idea. How about you try it? Sounds great. Okay, here we go. Five, six, one, two, zero, three. Sounds great. Five, six, one, two, zero, three, nine, one, seven, nine, eight. That sounds awesome. Five, six, one, two, zero, three, nine, one, seven, nine, eight. You know, it's really funny because um, when you have, when you do have, I, I have older kids and younger kids and when you have older kids when they first start becoming older you freak out because oh my god what are they gonna do because i know what i did right right right. but at a certain point you go oh shit i hope they do some of the stuff i did at least (laughs) otherwise they're gonna be such repressed adults dude how crazy so you're already seeing the domino effect of where it could lead to right so you're like like, god i hope they have fun (laughs) So with my kids, of course, I don't want them to lose control, but they have to have fun. They have to experience life, because if they don't, then they'll lie in bed on their deathbed with regret. And yeah, nobody, Les Brown, brilliant man, uh, greatest motiv- one of my favorite motivational speakers, he says, um, nobody, paraphrasing again, nobody wants to lay on their deathbed with the ghosts of what they could have accomplished staring at them. Holy shit, dude, that's so crazy that you said that because decades ago, this this idea had popped into my brain and I go, wait, my future self is right now lying on his deathbed. And I'm like, does he want to think about his regrets or does he want to think about the fun memories where he was courageous and he just decided to follow his heart? And when that popped into my brain, I'm like, okay, I want to do good for the 
for the future self. I want to, I want to, I want to give him stuff to think about, fun stuff. And so whenever I was confronted with a situation where I go, okay, this might embarrass me, whether it was, you know, whatever it was, someone who just happened to look familiar to me. And I'm like, you know what? You look really familiar to me. You look like a friend of mine that I grew up with. Is there any chance that your name is this or that you grew up in these areas or it might be related to this person? Like those kind of moments, even if they say no, I would much rather have the, that uh, moment that remembering the, you know, having that mo memory of embarrassment, but at least testing it out, yeah. then going, why was I so terrified and just saying that simple thing? It wasn't like they're going to go, how dare you ask me that? Ah! And they start stabbing me. It's like, I'm just asking them a question, you know, like what would be the harm, you know? So it's like. It's crazy that Les Brown actually has said those kinds of things. Oh, brilliant, brilliant uh, motivational speaker. Well, my morning in a nutshell is I get up, I, uh, I do breathing exercises um, to sink my body, and then I do um, put on motivational stuff while I'm breathing, and then I do a series of meditations um, sounds really silly, but I do the LBRP, Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram. It's a way for me to meditate and focus on something. LBRP, so, it's called? LBRP. A lesser BRP? Yeah, it, it's a magical ritual. What does it stand for? Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram. It's something I run through in my head. It's just something for me to focus on before I go over all my goals. And so, and I've changed it in my head from what they do in the Golden Dawn and all the other high order magic groups that do that. Because um, I don't see magic as how other people see it. I see it as a system that was created over years and years and years to help people focus and learn to bring about manifesting your, your will. Yeah. And um, their tricks to help people learn to meditate and focus and manifest will. So that's... I do it just before I do my goal planning, and then I'll do my goal setting where I review my main my main purpose in life, my focus, and then I review my my goals of the day before, and then I plan out my day ahead, and then I do a gratitude session. Awesome. I just what I'm grateful for the day. Awesome. I have at least five things I tell myself. Brilliant. Then I look at myself and tell myself I love you, which is the hardest thing you can do. Look in the mirror and say it to yourself and mean it. And then um, I put my motivational stuff right back on, and I go to work, and I listen to it perfect. for easily two hours. Perfect. Perfect. And, perfect. Uh, that must affect your reality in huge ways. Well, it's like you said previous. It's what you take in. So I... I've learned through people who have experienced life and are successful at life that that's what that's part of their rituals. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Will Smith actually said it. Where um, nobody is nobody wants to be around somebody who's negative all the time and just down and yeah, you know. So if you maintain a positive attitude, you create warmth and affection and people yeah, want to be around you yeah. and the more people want to be around you the more successful you are as a person because a good person people want to be around good people and they want to be a part of things that are good and happy and beautiful and so you know you work with what you have and that's I have only so much so if I can create positivity on top of it then that creates even more for my life and if I can share that with other people while I go throughout. So if I start my day off that way. Dude, and the whole rest of it just keeps going because then that's your lens. And what's so great about that is that, oh, I just love it. Because especially if you're, if you're educating yourself and your mind th throughout the day with that kind of information, that's the lens that you're now looking at every single thing that you're coming across through. And now you're able to look at each other human as, as the greatest reflection of themselves and choose to define them how you want. And they're just winning... They're they're winning because you got this great positive outlook on them. Now they're you're offering them the ability to really actually oh, am am I this uh, am I this you know great version that he sees within me? They get to choose whether they want to be you know that great version of themselves. You know you might compliment someone about something like. They can either go, oh, I'm not a, you know, or they can go, well, thank you for noticing that. Thank you. You know, and then once they say thank you and they notice that, they're like, wow. Now they, now you've turned something on within them. And now they've gone on and now they've used someone else throughout the rest of their day with a, a different lens. And it's great. Well, how, how, can you, how can you ultimately be who you want to be if everybody around you gets torn down? 
Um, it's the Hitler paradox, where Hitler was a person who had the ability to influence people. Could have influenced people for a lot of good. Uh, Germany had a lot of problems. He could have influenced a lot of good and created a beautiful society. But he dragged every drug everybody down with him to the detriment of countries and to the detriment of the planet. So instead of being ultimately not all of us are that we're not ultimately that evil but if we continue with negativity we just drag everybody down around us to where we create a pit it's and it's a literal pit of despair around you that you're wallowing in and nobody wants to step in it and so you you've now created a barrier in your life and and the great news is knowing that if things can get that dark with that kind of negativity and then we look at all the great people out there who have all the astounding things that they've done with the positivity and the optimism, and you go, yep. so you get, you get to see, look, here's what happens when you really go down this path. Here's what happens when you really go down this path. So now it's giving us that we're, we're at that crossroads now where we get to go, okay, do I want to be optimistic or do I want to be pessimistic? Which, which, which um, you know that like there's that old there's that old phrase where it says like you know you got the two wolves one of them is sort of the negative wolf one of them is the positive wolf it's like which one are you feeding oh yeah which one are you feeding you know kind of thing well that's what um I also think of it like um uh the debate of him aside I think of uh, the words of Christ where he's all um, where he commands his people to be like a candle and let their light shine like a candle and you don't take a candle and you hide, hide it under a bushel you know a small tree because all the light gets blocked out but you you put it on a pedestal so it shines so people flock to it and it's it. a beacon it's a beacon yes and there's a reason why you know lighthouses and light in general and um those things are so drawing to us. It's because it, it's a sign of comfort and safety and, you know, peace and security. I mean, back in our hunter-gatherer days, if there was a fire, the animals stayed away and we were safe and warm. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you know, these archaic ideologies are so programmed into our DNA, the, the remembrance of our genes the remembrance of ourselves, what's been passed on from your parents, these weird things from grandparents that you don't know you have. And then a parent will go, oh, your grandpa used to do that thing with his eye when he smiled. And then you're like, what? That's a genetic memory. You didn't do it on purpose. So those things were so integrated that light is so important to us. I mean, we lived in caves to protect ourselves from animals. We forget that we didn't live in caves because we were so primitive, but there were big ass bears and wolves and tigers and lions and oh my god, giant birds that tore into people out there. A cave was the safest place you could be in, you know. <laughs> and you have a fire in front of it. Ooh, you're good. <laughs> oh my god. And uh, and so I, I think of all these things, and we have these old memories that are just locked in there. Yeah. And so and so to relate it to positivity. You have to be a light. You have to be a beacon. And as you do that, you draw more people. Yeah. And they create more light. Yeah. And that creates more beacons, which creates yeah. more power. Yeah. And more beauty. Oh, and my more God. love in the world. And it's so sad when you see people who... You could have been victimized, but you choose to be a victim people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everybody's been a victim of uh, uh, everybody's been victimized by somebody at some point yeah. in their life yeah every you, single yeah choose to stay a victim because that person's moved on from what they did they did that shitty thing to you and then they said all right i'm gonna go do more shitty stuff yeah and then right. you're the only one stuck in it and we're choosing whether we want to carry that with us or not whether we and that's the darkness that's the negativity that's fear that, and that fear is isolating, and it's lonely, and it's sad, and it's hard for people. And it's so easy to flip the mind, but so difficult at the same time. And But yeah, once you get into that set, and if you do it right in the very beginning of the day, you get into that set, and you just 
flip that mind to positivity and keep that going. I mean, that's really where I think that's what we're all supposed to do. And all the rest of it falls into place because what's so great is as you're looking through that lens, now you're offering people the opportunity to show that beacon within themselves. You're you're going, bing, bing, bing. You're turning on that light within themselves. And then you might start seeing some interesting behaviors coming from those kinds of people doing things that more... uh, highly reflect their their the best versions of themselves you know their joys and their passions and excitements and whatnot i think and, and it's really funny to say but some of the funnest things for me to watch because i like to be very positive when i go out and i talk to people and sometimes i'll i, I annoy a lot of people because of it <laughs> i'm gonna be honest it annoys a lot of people but i love to see a young person's mind turn on when you say it and then a few weeks or months later you see them and they're like oh yeah I left that job and I'm doing this and I'm following this goal yeah. and you're like fuck yeah oh yeah absolutely because <laughs> you know now they're so in sync with their passion Dude, that their yeah. life is going to be great Dude, it's yeah. going to be struggles but it's going to be great it's so great because when I used to substitute teach for like nine years um I was heavily, I was listening to Alan Watts. There was like a 15-minute oh, podcast you could so just great. get. And every single night before I fell asleep, I'd listen to that 15 minutes, go to sleep with Alan, Dr. Alan Watts <laughs> talking into my brain as I fall asleep. So then that's grinding around my brain that's marinating. And I wake up and I go into school and I'm talking to these kids about, you know, and I'm listening to people who are channeling spirits and all, all this yeah. stuff. And I, I, I was, you know, just really dialed into this. So I tell the kids, I go, okay, we're going to do your lesson plans today. But then we're also really going to talk cosmic talk, if you guys want to talk. We're going to at least have 15 minutes of that. And, you know, sometimes I do it halfway through or at the end of the day. Or, you know, I'm like, if you guys want to talk more, come during nutrition. We'll talk even more. And it was great because I was telling these kids, like, look, you don't want to be locked into this kind of matrix. You know, I'd let them know, like, you guys have extraordinary talents and passions. If, if you've got any teachers or any parents who are telling you, don't do this, don't do that, I'm worried for this, I'm worried for that, don't be an actor, don't, boy, don't be a, you know, go be a doctor instead, go be a lawyer. I'm like, it's not that they don't like what you're doing necessarily, but maybe, it, maybe they're just worried for your own good and your own safety. You know, that, that's all they know to go to. It's like they think of lawyer or doctor as sustainable, you know, still a new stable, you should go do that. They're, they're not looking at the possibilities in what could possibly occur with, with your passions and talents yeah. if you follow them. And I said, you guys, I can, I can guarantee you right now, if you do not waver from diving deeply into the things you most wholeheartedly, absolutely love doing, you will no doubt become incredibly successful in that because you're not, you're, you just keep feeding it. You know, I was telling bits about, about, you know, how the universe, you know, gives more to us as it sees us moving in a direction. It's no different than like, let's say for instance, if I said, um, okay, I'm going to shoot this commercial today and it's going to have to do with the person who's running around a track all day. Yeah. Am I going to talk to the person? Am I going to ask the friend of mine who's the person who used to run marathons 30 years ago but is now sitting on the couch or am I going to talk to the friend who has been running marathons for the three or four years probably the guy who's been running the marathons because I know if I shoot this commercial he's not going to get tired and like you know and complain and stuff he's already in training he's already doing it so I kind of apply that kind of message to, to the universe kind of thing of like look I make the move the universe goes okay good you're serious about this you know you're seriously playful you're focused about this okay I'm going with you you know it's like the universe is like I'm here to be with you but you gotta make that first move you go I promise you I'll go along with you and as I see that happen it's like all right, we're going in there we're going in because the universe says yes no matter what if we go oh I'm so stupid I'm so dumb I'm so I'm such an idiot oh I don't know what I'm doing universe just goes yes 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 but if you go I'm you know what I love doing this. I'm, I imagine myself being a painter with my art in the gallery. Yes. I imagine my stuff to me doing this. Yes. You know, it's just either way, it's a yes. That's the thing is I think, I think where people get stuck is they'll see somebody who does it and they're a success and then they see them falter after a while. And you're like, well, maybe because they hit that. Maybe they had that set a new goal. Maybe there has to be more activity. Like maybe they got too comfortable and just kind of... Exactly. 
And how can you have gratitude if you always are going up? If you never falter, you can never be grateful. And so you have to always struggle, even if it's something simple. Even if you're not struggling financially or emotionally, then it might be a relationship. Or if all that stuff, it might be financial. Or there has to always be a struggle because there has to be a drive. If there's yeah. no drive, there's no forward progress. Well, it's interesting that you said struggle because, like, I was thinking, like, another in, in, another extra additional word that could fit along with that is the idea of, like, a puzzle. Yes. You know, so it's like there's that time of, like, okay, you're the explorer. You're out there. You're exploring. You're checking stuff out. And then there's got to be the time where you go back to the laboratory and you bring it back in there and you look over everything and you figure out how it all pieces together and how, how it matches up with the notes you took and the, yeah. you know, and the, and the field recordings. And you go, okay, let's figure this thing out. Like, how do, we, how do we get over this mountain here? Oh, okay, well, oh, maybe we could go right through the middle. I happen to have this crazy new invention I made. All right, let's do it. Let's try it out, right? That, that's exactly it. It's not struggle. It's um, somebody else said it. I, I don't remember who it was. Um, but it's training. Oh, that's it's I never love that. Stop struggle. It's your training. You're always training. Like the so, X Men Danger Room, right? They yes. go into there for the training. So you're quote unquote struggling financially. Well, no, you're not struggling financially. You're training to become better. At Brilliant finances. way of putting it. 